0: Just came like. Hello my darlings, welcome to episode 16 of Generation Mixed. Today, we have Jacqueline, a Latina who tells us about her marriage to her white ex-husband, their upbringing of their daughter, as well as further struggles. Jacqueline, honey, thank you for being on my podcast today. Thank you
1: for having me today.
0: Yeah, so we're going to jump right in. Okay. So tell me about your
1: childhood. Right. So I was born and raised in San Jose, California. I grew up with two brothers, um... My childhood was, was kind of chaotic. Um, we had a, a home up until fi- I was five, five, six. Then we were houseless for uh, quite a quite a while, you know, until I was 12. And um, I ended up just living with only my dad at 12.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but before that, I we were kind of like, I remember some, now I understand that it was not normal, but as a child, it seemed very normal. Like I remember, you know, my mom dropping us off at the park and leaving us at the park for like hours and hours. You mm-hmm. know, I remember, um, you know, when I was at at the park, I w- I would um, kind of hang out with the uh, you know other homeless people. I I really like strongly remember this um, one homeless lady. I thought she was so cool because she had um, a cart, you know, like a pushing cart, and inside of she had all her possessions, everything, right? And but she also had a cat. <laughs> and I love that I'm still a cat person now so I used to always like you know play with her cat and she was super sweet to me she would um I just remember her always encouraging me to sing and like putting me as like up on like an on uh there was concrete tables and stuff she's like jump on the table and sing a song and I and I was probably around like seven eight at the time I remember just singing these songs and, and then she's just praising me and I was like, oh, yeah, you know. Um, but if I wasn't there at the park, which was usually in the summer, I'd be at school, you know, normal times and stuff. And I really enjoyed school for the fact that it gave me stability and gave me something to go to. Um, you know, it, it was sometimes the only place that I would get, you know, my breakfast and lunch and snack. And, you know, I, I would eat and stuff, but it was just, chaotic, you know, sometimes it would just, it would be whenever. And so, you know, that was most of up until 12. And, um, then we, my dad got a place and was, uh, you know, kind of cut ties with my mom. You know, they both have, they're both my parents are alcoholics and substance abuse users. Um, my dad is, you know, still, you you know, an alcoholic, but less substance and my mom, she struggles with both still to this day, but she's, you know, she's home, she's housed now and, and she's calmed down a lot, but, um, uh, so yeah, I really loved being in school. Um, I just remember just being, you know, I don't know, I, I, in different places. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so then what about your background? Are you, are you a hundred percent Mexican? Okay. So I am a hundred percent. Well, I've never done that DNA ancestry thing. My, my mother is a few generations in Mexican. Um, I believe my great, great grandmother or their family came from Texas and then in LA or Pasadena area, and then up to, to here. So there's a long, my mom's that maternal side is American and then Mexican American
0: like Tejano.
1: Yeah. Tejano. See, and then, um, my dad actually I'm on for, with him. He actually, you know. He came from Mexico, uh, when he was 14, kind of was in in between Mexico and Texas for a while and eventually made his way up to California and met my mom Their Uh, courtship was quick. My brother at the time, my my oldest brother, he was a few months old. I think he was like in diapers still less than a year. Mm -hmm. You know, we could do all the math and stuff, but basically he's 91 and I'm 92. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, my dad and her met, um, they shortly then after had me, and and then a couple of years later they had my brother, and then after a little while they two separated. They have an interesting relationship. My mm-hmm. parents do. They they still care about each other, but they don't like live together. They don't any of that stuff. So um, and we still they there, but they are cordial to each other. We we can hang out together. All all of my siblings and them we can all hang out and stuff. But um, so but my dad, like I said, he he traveled. So what would they, he's an immigrant. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, and I guess that would make me first generation on my dad's side. And, you know, honestly, when I, as I speak out loud about this, I realized too, that I'm 29 now, but I'm still trying to understand my identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when I first, so I'm a first generation college student, I graduated, but when I first entered college, they always were asking me my ethnicity and stuff. Right. And I was like, well, I'm Mexican. And then, you know, somebody told me, well, that's your nationality. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm so confused of the difference between ethnicity and nationality and all of these things. So I, I never knew how to quite label myself. And I also felt just American. I just felt like I'm American. Yes, I, I get to, I do see the, the, the Mexican culture that my dad, you know, was raised in. But then again, my dad left when he was 14. He had, he himself had a chaotic childhood. And and when he, when he did get, finally get to California, um, he was trying to assimilate. He was trying to learn English. Um, And so it's a funny story amongst my, my, with my, my family. It's like, when I was little, I used to have an accent, like, like, as if I, I spoke Spanish, I used to like say things like 14 or Tony, like I would try to put an accent to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because my, my dad spoke like that and I'd hear him talking like that. And um, you know, I, and he was, he really was trying to learn English. And so I unfortunately can understand Spanish and stuff, but because he was so adamant about learning English and my mom was kind of, kind of against us learning Spanish because she kind of had this like, you know, warped idea that we would be talking about her in a different language and she doesn't understand, you know. And so it was never encouraged for me to to learn Spanish. But I can understand Spanish. Um, I can speak it. I speak it with a heavy accent, so I'm kind of self conscious about it. And and also haven't spoke for so many years. But just just saying all this because it all ties back into like. I didn't understand my identity growing up Mm -hmm. at all. And I didn't even, there wasn't space for me to contemplate identity. I was really in a place of like, okay, where am I going tonight? Where am I, where am I sleeping? Where am I eating? I was in the survival Mm -hmm. kind of mindset and never Mm -hmm. really thinking about, Oh my, my culture, my ethnicity. I didn't get to explore that until later in life until I was in school and I was exposed to other things and, and I could see like, Oh wait, there's more than just, you know, I I kind of understood the complexities of identity. And even now I don't even claim to understand. I'm still learning about myself. Um, but yeah, so for identity wise, I identify as a Mexican American. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And I still struggle with, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. So
0: how did your, how did your parents and your siblings feel about like race relations? Like, with blacks and whites and Asians and stuff.
1: So, you know, um, I hate to say it, but it is very, it's a common theme of, of, you know, racism amongst Mexicans. And, and my dad was, you know, I did hear those sentiments of, of like, oh, that that black guy, oh you can't date black guys, um, that, oh, you can't have a black baby. There was, it was, there was that sentiment of like, "Oh, oh no, you know, that you should never be in a, in a relationship with a black. And, um, I don't, I don't know, I didn't really take it to heart or anything. I just kind of was like, yeah, there goes my dad again, talking crazy nonsense. Because at this point I was kind of used to this craziness, this, this, this different things that would come out of their mouths because, you know, alcoholic and substance abuse. So I was like, kind of used to hearing all these crazy things. And, and, but because I paid attention in school and everything and what we have the we have black history month and I, and I did pay attention. So I did know, like, you're not supposed to say that, like, that's wrong. Like you're not, you know, that, you know, that's unacceptable, you know? And I didn't really have the words as a kid to say that, but I, I did know that I was like, my dad's is he racist. And I, you know, and I was like, no, maybe he just, he just had bad experiences or something like, you know, kind of like writing it off, you know, to it. So there was those <laughs> sentiments that I never fully, I'd never adopted them myself, but I knew that they were there. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because my, my dad had a daughter later in life and she's 16 and, and he's still kind of saying these types of things of like, oh, well, you know, just, just date, up marry, you'll just marry a white man. You'll marry, you'll marry a white man. And, did he say that to you too? Uh, yeah, there was, there was like, there was a little bit of stuff like, yeah, white is better. You should, white men have money. They have stability. They have this idea that, that really he did elevate a white man for me in my head, you know? And I never, um and I, I think maybe, I mean, maybe I did take that to heart because the first person I married was a white man, you know?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If there was some sort of influence, yeah, yeah, that's probably, yeah. because that's what we get our primary influencers is from our family, Perfect. from our, and that's the first, you know, area of socialization in our lives, and then we we'd go out into the world and it becomes schoolmates and teachers and our whole environment widens even more. So when I was listening to you, I was thinking, you know, with him elevating white folks, you know, white is right and all this type of mentality, it it probably planted a seed in your head where you might've been like, hmm, maybe he could, there could be some truth to this. But did you have any friends who were, you know, even just friends of uh, other races? Were you allowed to have that based on what he told you?
1: Yeah, I remember having a friend, but I was young. It was, I was like seven or eight, and she was, I don't necessarily know if I didn't have uh, friends of color because I was never put in situations with people of color, you know, besides, you know, me- or Mexicans, but I do remember I had a friend, um, when I was like seven or eight and she was, uh, the only reason she was my friend wasn't in school or anything is because she lived next to me and we play together. But then when she moved away, I, I, you know, that was it that was like literally only one friend in my childhood do I do remember that was she's she was a black girl mm-hmm. and um we got along, but we were in like we were in kids' age like yeah not not too not too old, but i after that, no, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if it's because I just was in positions and meeting new people like that it like I said, being able to go to college and and meet new people really that's when I got to meet more people besides people that look like Mm -hmm. me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i got to meet um just a wide range of different people and not necessarily like race wise but like uh religious religiously different people of religious backgrounds and just different thoughts and ideas you know um i really one of my favorite books is to kill a mockingbird i love it too I, i read it so many times but when atticus was telling to talking to scout about like you need to put yourself in their shoes. First that always stayed with me. When I when I read that after I read that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should be paying attention to other people's perspectives and like what's happening there and what their experience is. But that was a long journey there, right? I and then I wasn't exposed until I I got to community college and was able to you know be around other
0: people. Yeah, the diversity, yeah. exactly. So then, what about high school? Did you have any high school boyfriends? Did you have since your 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 social world probably opened up a little bit more during high school? I mean, yeah. did you have friends of other races? Did you date any boys in high school outside your race or any of that?
1: I um I had friends. Uh, I had a friend us uh, that. That um yeah she had I had a couple high school friends but like boyfriend wise I I had one boyfriend but he was he was white and Mexican he was white presenting and my dad immediately approved of him mm-hmm. um and I met him through my my friend and or no I met him through my cousin and um it was except it was the first time too like ever any boy whatever and um and he was okay with it because he was white and he, um, his parents were, you know, uh, how, how do you say like financially well, or I yeah, know, they're well off. They were stable, they were stable. They were fine. Um, they had, you know, to, to my dad, like, Oh, his parents own property. That was a big thing to him, you know, because, you know even back then 10 11 years ago you know the bay area housing was still pretty crazy mm-hmm. and so for him that was like a cool thing a plus you know for this guy to to, to be able to to go out it's with a status symbol and he himself the because his parents were were you know established monetarily they were able to purchase him a car a nice new toyota for the like of the year that you know and so that also elevated that first boyfriend in my dad's head of like, okay, this is acceptable. And, um, you know, that was my first boyfriend. I had, I, I have this childhood friend. Um, so this is a, a story, right? Story time. So, <laughs> so there, there was this one time where, uh, I had this friend, she's kind of more, she was she's really crazy. She's a little rambunctious person. And, and she was for a lack of a better word, boy crazy. And, uh, at this time I was like 15, 16, um, my dad was a little bit more stable. So we had a home and I had my own room. And, um, when we were, I, I remember my friend, we were hanging out and, and then she's like, Oh, Jacqueline, there's this boy that I like. is she, she liked black guys a lot. And, um, she's like, but, uh, I can't hang out with him. Something about hanging out. She's like, "Can?" or I think it had to do with it's so long ago. So anyways, some reason this individual needed a place to stay for the night right? And we were, he was a teenager too. And I was like, I can't have boys staying here. I'll get in trouble. And I knew this, I knew this for a fact, but I was in a, you know, between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. And I was like, crap. I was like, all right, but you guys have to leave like in the morning. You can't like stay here at all. Right. And then just my luck, my, the, when the person was leaving, my dad saw him. It was this black guy, right? Oh, he was so pissed off. He was the, the, like, so mad. He, um, that was when I basically, he sent me away to live with my mom at my time. My mom finally had her section eight housing and she had a spot. Right. And so, um, and so he was like, you're going to go live with her. And I I had to go live with my mom for like a good two months. And I, and living with her again was kind of hard because she was still, you know, in her struggles. And, and then again, I was back to that, to that point when I was a kid where I was like, I need to go to school to eat. Otherwise I'm going to be hungry all night, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, be, but really all of that, me having to move out everything, it, it really was because he saw a black guy coming out of my room and thought the worst. Right. Even though I didn't, we, I did nothing. I really was just trying to be a, a, a good person by having somebody's like, I knew what it felt to not have anywhere to go to right. at night. And this person, my friend was coming to me with her friend saying, he has nowhere to go tonight. And I, I had a, a room for myself and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I, it kind of bit me in the butt in the end, but really I all, to this day, I really wonder like, was most of my dad's heavy reaction because of the color of this guy's skin mm-hmm. and, and that he had my, my previous or, or the, you know, the boy he accepted Um, the one that had the well-to-do parents and had, you know, and that was, you know, white presenting, he was allowed in my room. And, 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 and there was never any issue with it. It was only the issue when it was a black guy leaving. my room, And I was just like, but I didn't even do anything. (laughs) I was trying to be nice. Like what's happening here. And I had to go live with my mom. I was there for a little while. And then, you know, I guess two months was sufficient punishment. And I was like, dad, can I please come back? I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm sorry that I did that. And he said, okay. And he let me come back. And then I got to, you know, finish high school.
0: So then why did you break up with that first boyfriend? What happened?
1: Um, The first boyfriend I I broke up with him because it's kind of complicated. It kind of ties into my ex-husband as well. So I met my ex-husband when I was like 16, 17 um randomly this is back when yahoo chat would be open right mm-hmm. and i had my yahoo chat open and i randomly got a message from my ex-husband he was like um it's so funny too it's so silly uh it was it was basically a message is like does writing in it was this time where you could change the font colors and it was like does writing in rainbow font make me gay and I was like <laughs> okay random math random pop-up message but i was like no well, I was like, you just could like the color of it. I don't know, you know, I just you know. And then slowly from there, he became my online friend. And then, uh, <clears throat> he was my online fan for friend for years. And, and I, uh, you know, this is, this is a big, big thing with my family too. Cause I moved to Texas for, for college. Right. And, um, and so, and, and my, my ex-husband, he, he was, he lives, lived in Texas at the time too. Um, And, uh, so it was this random person from Texas messaging me and I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then I just started to like him a lot more than my, the boyfriend that I had in in here, you know, my first boyfriend. And, um, I, I was like, you know what, this is when I started thinking about college. I graduated high school early. So I graduated my junior year and I was thinking about college and stuff. And I was, as a first generation, I really I knew nothing about in state, out of state tuition. I knew nothing about I I knew nothing about anything. I really was the type of person I'm still am kind of to this day. I just kind of roll with it and and figure it out as I go. I'm a big uh, you know, hands-on type of learning person. And so I um I guess yeah, so where was I?
0: <laughs> well, here's my question. So so then you were you were at the point where you were talking about um you went, now let me ask you this because you kind of jumped a little bit ahead. Okay. So you graduated high school at 16 and did you, why did you decide to go to Texas for college? Okay.
1: See, that's where I'm, that's where I'm trying to, okay. Let me try to read, let me try to re- arch- all good, honey. myself. All right. So, um, so I met him when I was still in high school mm-hmm. and I was talking to him in high school mm-hmm. and then I, that was at the same time where I was trying to figure out college stuff. And so then, and he lives, he lived in Dallas at the time. So I was like. You know, maybe I don't know. To to this day, I don't really know why. Or I try to think back, and I'm like, did I really just do it because I liked a boy? You know what I mean? And I get that question a lot, a lot. And my dad, to this day, he will still say that I did it because I liked a boy. He'll say, "Oh, you just went to Texas not for school, but for for to be with a boy." And I was like, I don't know. Like to this day, I don't know. I really do remember loving. I saw you. Uh, the the uh, university I was trying to go to was. University of Texas at Dallas. I like, I, they had the program. I liked, they had this like pre law program. Cause you know, I was, in, I was interested in that. And, and I was just like, I looked at the price price of living in Dallas. I was just thinking, okay, what can I afford? Like I really was trying to understand what I was trying to do, but also um, completely naive to this whole process too. And so um, maybe there is that aspect of, of knowing a person in Texas and, And this also, I kind of wanted to move away for school too. And so that was another aspect of, and I was like, oh, this will be an adventure, a new place to see all this and that. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say to this day, I really wonder, I'm like, you know what, maybe I did. But part of me, when I think about it, I'm like, no, I was really excited about going to school and living on my own and going to a different state and all of these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so who knows? My my 19-year-old, 18-year-old brain, I don't remember, 17. <laughs> so what? how was it
0: when you got, how, first of all, how did you guys physically meet? And then what was the reaction to each other?
1: So um, we physically met when I moved to Texas for school. Mm-hmm. And then um, the reaction for both of us was just, I don't, it was, it was young love. We were just excited. Or I, I was like, what's not love. It wasn't love yet. It was like, um, when you talk to somebody for so long and then you meet them and it was just exciting, you know, I felt that for sure. And we have the same sense of humor. He was really a friend. That's that was the thing for me. I think that he's the first uh, person that I was with that I really saw as a friend and connected with in that sense, not, my first boyfriend I was like oh yeah he's cute so he's gonna be he could be my boyfriend you know wasn't any kind of thinking in it you know and he and I the first boyfriend we didn't have a lot in common we he liked playing video games and online games and was really into computers and I was interested but but also like I I I wasn't I was into books and into other things besides what he was into so there was like a little disconnect there but with my ex-husband when we first met, we have so much, we had the same humor. Um, we just had stuff to talk about. Right. And it was just, it was fun. It was interesting. And again, I think that he and I both related on a, for a lack of a better word, an American level. We we're both Americanized. We both understood, we both like the same music, same like, uh, TV stuff, movies, like we were, we're American. So that's where, how he and I connected. Um, And yeah, so the first time meeting him was fine. It was, you know, he had, he has, you know, white parents and that was, was different meeting them. Um, But it was, it was, it was good. It was interesting.
0: What, 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 how, what were the reactions? There, oh, so, okay. So
1: reaction wise for, for who?
0: When my, when your ex-husband brought you home the first time to meet the parents. what was their reaction?
1: Well their reaction was like, oh we're gonna help this college student out and and you we'll, we'll, uh, we'll rent you a room if you'd like you know and I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good they were they were nice, they're friendly they were, they were helpful. They wanted to be helpful to me as a, a person that was you know trying to get her education. And um, not, not very dissimilar to that's just who they are. They also helped other people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They, uh, so it was, it was kind of just in their nature to be helpful in that way. And so they were, they were welcoming. It wasn't anything insane. It kind of got iffy towards when they, they realized he and I liked each other. Mm -hmm. It started getting a little bit tense with us, um, with his family when they, they kind of uh, found out that we were like, Together, you know and stuff but I, I think their main concern was pregnancy which ended up being true I, I ended up getting pregnant mm-hmm. um I think he and I were only together physically I had known him before that you know as online friends but physically we were only together for like three months four months and then on my on my 18th birthday because I moved to Texas just before I turned 18 um and then on my 18th birthday, I found out I was pregnant and then, uh, fast forward, you know, to next June. And then I had my kid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so how did you prepare yourself for that? Cause you're now you're with this white man. You're not married yet. You're just, no, we're
1: not married. Okay. So at this point, because his family was kind of like, what are you doing? You got this girl pregnant. You're not even married. You guys need to get married. And then I was like, I'm not getting married. <laughs> I'm not getting married. What do you mean? I'm not getting married just because I got pregnant. No. Mm-hmm. And and I was really pushing against because they were saying we had to. And eventually, and eventually, um, and eventually, uh, you know, it just got more tumultuous in that, in the household about just what they wanted us to do. And then at that point I realized, I was like, I'm about to have a kid with, no family support in a, in a, in a town, in a, in a state that I have no, um, nobody in basically, you know? And I was like, this is kind of scary. I think that it is best for me to move back to California. I need to, I need to move back to California. I I told, I told my ex-husband, I said, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to be a part of this. You don't need to do anything. And he was like, well, no, I, I want to be a part of it. You know, I, I want to do this. I said, "Okay, are you sure? Because we're gonna leave Texas. Like, I'm not staying here." He's like, "Yes." And so we ended up we ended up moving back to California.
0: So stop right there. So I want to know what kind of experiences you and your ex husband had in Texas as a couple. Did you come across any negative experiences
1: um, in Texas in in Dallas in particular? Um, when I was with him, like I said, we were. I lived in Dallas for like four or five months so it wasn't that many much time and then also in dallas it's not like how it is here in at least in the bay area where you have like easy like infrastructure for pedestrians like it's not that they don't have sidewalks in texas but texas you or in dallas in particular you kind of do need to have a vehicle to get from one place or another so it wasn't really ever like um out with him walking or anything like that. Right. And even then in Texas, our, our dealings were very limited. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I don't recall too much about like, nothing comes to mind too much when I think of Texas Mm -hmm. about us experiencing privilege or anything, any sort of
0: pressure or or negative experiences. So, okay. So now you're moving back to California with your soon to be husband. So, now, how did that all progress when you moved back here and getting settled, and how did your parents react and all that stuff?
1: So, um, I got mixed reactions. Uh, the best reaction I will have to say was my crazy mom. She was so happy to find out that one, I was coming back to California because she was really upset that I was I moved to Texas, and so and then two that she was just happy that I was going to have a, her grandchild, and and so she was one of the first persons I told besides, you know, him, I told him first. And, and then I, um, I told two very good, my, my close friend and I told my close cousin next. And then I told my mom. So she was, she was there in top four and she had them every, she was the first person that gave me the happy reaction, which I I desperately wanted because I was already in shock for, and being pregnant. And also, um, that I had already made up my mind that Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to terminate this pregnancy. And so, um, and then my dad's reaction was, do you need me to send you money for an abortion? So I was like, uh, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it. And, uh, that was upsetting for him, you know, very upsetting because first off, um, like I said, I'm a first generation college student. So I was one of the first in my entire family that was on this track of, you know, getting a degree and to him, he felt like, oh, you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna get stuck with kids. You're just not gonna finish your goals. And for him, he really believed that me having a child would hinder my hinder my future, right? And so he he was kind of like, oh, you should get an abortion. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. And I was I was really sad to hear that. You know, it was hard for me to hear, but I was certain that I was gonna keep her. I was certain about that. I was like nothing is going to change that fact I've already made my mind up on that and so when I got back to California he by that time he kind of simmered down and he allowed Michael and I to live with him in his home he still had a house at that time so he allowed us to live there with him and And, you know, and then I was just pregnant. (laughs) So
0: So then how did, so going back to how your dad reacted with your first boyfriend who was only half white.
1: Now you got a full Full blooded blooded white boy. How was Mm -hmm. he there in that reaction? Was he just as overjoyed? He, so he was upset for the fact that I was pregnant, but was super respectful still to, to Michael and still very, and still very, um, you know, uh not accepting of the pregnancy but okay of the person like okay he's a what he's like, what is he gonna do but then this is where it kind of went downhill is that um you know the part of accepting the of the first boyfriend was the fact that he, his family was monetarily safe and and they had money to give to his son too whereas Michael's family was like No, you're, if you're going to do this, then you're, you're going to do this on your own. Good luck. Exactly. Good luck. You're just going to do this on your own. You need to come up with supporting this, you know, supporting this, what you're trying to do. And so if anything, I think there was like, uh, any negative comments my dad would say would just be like, well, what is he going to do? He's, he's not in school. Um, he doesn't have a good job yet. You know, it was all these things of like that. He wasn't accepting of Michael because of that part. Rather than, uh, you know, being more accepting because he's white. So when you came back to
0: California, did you get any any sort of reactions, negative experiences you could talk about
1: here when you were with Michael, out with Michael? Honestly, there was no negative. I honestly, that was the first time being with Michael, being around uh, in, in in settings, I felt for a lot, I don't know another better word except elevated, that I that I noticed that people afforded him um, different looks or different manner or just different.
0: How do I say they're almost it's almost like deference, like, oh, so nice to meet you, sir. That
1: type of. Yeah. Like, deference. like yeah, exactly. And and, um, and that they would. Yeah, he was always a sir all the time, always a sir. And he sometimes was kind of sloppy in the way he dressed, but he still got that. And so when he dressed up, he even was even more because he is a light complected, you know, um, he has light brown eyes, but one of it's one of, I don't know, he has this little thing where a quarter of his eye is blue. And so, um, you know, there's that, you know, there's, you know, he just look white presenting everything. Right. And he's male too. So the top of the food chain. Exactly. Um, so I did feel like when I was with him, I did feel elevated. I did get better customer service i did get um you know one one thing that pops up into mind is uh this time we took our at the time she was two and a half three our daughter to pumpkin and pumpkin in the patch it's over children's discovery museum in san jose we're in california at this point Mm -hmm. um and and we're at this pumpkin patch or at this pumpkin in the park thing right this event And my kid is little and I'm thinking, oh, she's going to be able to go on all these little rides. Let me get some tickets. And So I purchased um, 20 bucks, nothing crazy, 20 bucks in tickets and uh, quickly found out like she didn't want to go on anything. And so I didn't need these tickets. And, you know, we were on a budget. And so I was like, you know, maybe let me try to get this money back. Let me try to go do this. And so I go and I take these tickets to the booth and I say, hey, I'm so sorry I purchased these. I don't need them. Um, could I please have, can I return them? Can I get, you know, and get my money back? And then she just, the person pointed to a sign that said, no, 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 no returns, final sale, everything right through these tickets. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I, I walked back because at the time, Michael's standing by the stroller, the stroller waiting for me to come back. And I go back and I tell him I'm like, oh, she won't let me, she won't let me return them. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, let me try. So he goes and he goes to the same booth, right. To this lady. And, um, and says, oh, you know, same thing I said, we don't need these tickets, but she allowed, she gives him the return and she gives him the money back. And it's just the, that moment I was like, wait a minute, wait, what happened here? It was my, my tingly senses were like, wait, wait, I did. I, what did I just experience? I was at this time, my kid was three. So two, three. So I was like 20, 21, you know, 20, 21. Right. And, uh, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Okay, cool. That, that was different. And, and that was the time where I was just like, well, we're in California. Like I I didn't understand kind of, you know what I mean? Um, that I, up to that point, yeah, we, I didn't know that I got like different looks and like, you know, was treated better when I was with him, but that blatant like example of that was when I was like, my privilege <laughs> I was like, and, and, uh, you know, Michael, he, he I don't know if he still has this sentiment but at the time he was like I'm not privileged I don't have privilege he's I'm just as poor as any other person you're like I still struggle for money I still you know and we kind of you know kind of I tried to go back and forth and this is when my my understanding of identity and white privilege and all of this was this was before I got into to my four-year university this was when I was still in community college and still taking classes to like you know, get into my four year, but, um, I was just shocked. I didn't have the words to say, but, but no, it does exist. You know, it does. It's real. You know, I didn't have the words to say that. And, uh, he was like, well, it doesn't exist. And it was, that was one of our first like clashing points of like, of where our identity finally made it into our marriage. Because before then, we were super in love and crazy and happy. And like, we're having a kid. It was all so quick. Every, the, the, the train was really rolling. Right. And so there was, when it finally, we got into, into the part of living right. And, and just being together. And, and I find myself at this event with, with him and our daughter. And then there's this blatant example of where he's treated differently than me. Um, But there was still a, a wall of like, no, that's
0: because they don't understand their privilege because to them, everything's the norm because white people, we go by white folks type of rules and yeah. regulations. So they wouldn't be aware of their privilege like we would be on the other side because their skin color is not making things more difficult for them to get alone buy a car yeah. interactions with police that's the privilege is the color of the skin and people always mix that up with white privilege with oh well i struggle too like what he was telling you and it's like mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with that it just means you didn't have the added burden of your race playing against you in a situation
1: and, and you know another example you said police another example that another memory that pops up is uh it was mother's day weekend i don't remember my our, our daughter was still under five she was probably like four it's probably that same year around that same time three four and um and like i said we were financial. that was another big thing about you know that was a strain on our marriage was that we were just not financially stable and, and sound right and so um there was a time where we couldn't afford to pay the car's registration so it was out of registration for six months right and we get pulled over we're in mountain view he's behind the wheels mother day weekend right we get pulled over mountain view police pull us over it's him me and our daughter in the backseat right he's driving and the officer comes in he's like you know your your expression your tags are expired all this and that he's like yes i do he's like where's your license registration or license insurance he gave him what he had and then the police the officer leaves and then he comes back and he goes well technically since this is out of registration for this long i can impound your car but i'm not going to tonight i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you go and just take care of this as soon as you can and i as a child as a kid i remember times where my dad would get pulled over and my he had no driver's license and there was no courtesy of like, oh, you can keep your car, just handle your stuff. And I, and to me, I was like, wow, we really lucked out. That The officer was really nice. He must have been nice because it's Mother's Day and, you know, our kid was in the back seat and this and that. But then slowly I started to think about it and I was like, well, wait a minute. I was in that position before as a kid. And I remember that they didn't care. I remember we had to wait till somebody picked us up you know, because they took, they impounded the car. And, and it was just like, wow, that, that was another example. Right. And I was like, oh, we lucked out, you know, and, and, um, and it was just, that's just one thing, you know, that, you know, even though he wasn't asking for anything, he was given something.
0: That's privilege. Yeah. That's privilege. And
1: these little, that was a a strong moment too, in my mind of like, wait a minute, he's privileged, but he's such an at the, and also kind of played into it that, like, uh, I felt like he was really negative in his thinking. Like, oh, I can't do anything. Woe is me. And I was just always thinking, well, but you're at the top of the food chain. You can do something. You're, you're, you know.
0: You're more likely to get hired. You're more likely to get paid more. You're more likely to get promoted. I mean,
1: come on. Yeah.
0: So then, so what about, what made the transition? Because you said earlier that I'm not going to get married. Yeah. And then next thing you know, how did you end up getting married? Then why did you marry him? In the beginning, you said you weren't going to get married.
1: The, that, was, um, that was 19-year-old Jacqueline thinking that marriage would elevate um, the seriousness of our relationship. That I was tired of people thinking, oh, you're just, that's just your boyfriend. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this is the person that I had a child with and I'm planning on spending my life with them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I really was only thinking i when i got married i never never imagined that it would end it was not something that i really was so certain 100 percent. like i will get i was still pregnant so it was before i really started to live life together um and i was just so certain that this was the person that i wanted to be with and that's what i did i was like all right i'm gonna do it and i did it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like that i and like i said i was only against it because they were telling me to and then as soon as I was, didn't have that pressure of being forced, then I, I was able to consider it. And then I felt like, oh, if I'm married, it'll elevate us. It'll elevate our status of like, oh, they're not, they're not messing around or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why I got married. And, and thinking like, oh, I, I don't, I want, I'm having a kid young, but then what if I just don't have it out of wedlock? I think I was just trying to play catch up a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just, um, I was being stubborn in the beginning of when they were telling me to marry and I said no and then I quickly was like yeah I want to
0: <laughs> you were rebelling both times girl yeah, I was, hear you I
1: was all over the place I really was I, I mean, even now I don't claim to know uh, everything about myself I'm still learning you know sometimes I catch myself and I'm like oh wait a minute what am I doing am I am I the problem you know that part where, mm-hmm. am I the villain No. Right, but, right. so like more self-awareness came later because otherwise when I was younger no I don't, I think I was just thinking in the moments more than anything. Um, I wasn't thinking of, you know, how we could like, you know, live our lives together, you know, and how it is kind of important when you're in a relationship to, to be able to see eye to eye and to understand where each other person is coming from. And because he was raised in a, a stable home and, um, you know, not to say that his, you know, his dad was kind of crazy in his own way, but uh, he had, he had a, his own room. He had meals every day. He um, got to go to school. He li- he got to walk to school, you know, in his neighborhood that he lived in, um, he biked to high school. You know, he had the whole normal experience. Right. And like I said, I, I did not, I had a chaotic childhood. So there was a little bit of disconnect there. And then there was also just culturally a disconnect of just, you know, I am American, but I also am Mexican. I do have my dad's, you know, heritage in that I was raised by him too. And I do, um, for, I don't how do you say have like Mexican culture, you know? And, and so, you know, little things of like, uh, his family has quiet Saturday or quiet uh, Christmas mornings, you know, and me, I'm all like, we're going to, party on 24 at midnight, we're going to open our presents and we're going to do the next day. We're just eat tamales. Like we had different right you know, customs, customs. Yes. there we go. And, and so that kind of played into it too. And, and just, you know, you know, towards the end of, of that marriage, um, I really, I really didn't want it to end. I was really like, no, we're going to, we're going to make this work. Cause like I said, I was so certain this was the person that I was spending my life so we go to marriage counseling because at this point I'm like, I'm a proactive person. I liked, if there's a problem, I try to find a solution and I felt like, okay, I don't think we're communicating. Let's go to counseling. And so I, we go to counseling and, when, and one of the things that really stuck out when I went to the marriage counseling was that she's like, you guys have different backgrounds. You know, you guys are, one thing that was very common is that we both love Lily, our daughter. We both love her very much. We want to provide her a life. That's good. You know, um, and the, the marriage counselor, she's like, uh, you know, Jacqueline, you're doing this because you had a chaotic childhood and you want to provide her with everything you didn't have. Right. And then she said to my ex-husband, she's like, you're providing for Lillian because this is what you grew up with in New ex- and it's expected of you. And you feel like this is what you should be doing. So both of us want to take care of her, but for different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. And keeping us together at this point, we just. Uh, the lack of communication, we just didn't understand each other. I didn't understand hit where he was coming from, what he was going through, that I felt like you had nothing wrong that happened in your childhood. Why are you stuck mentally? Like you really felt like uh, just unmotivated, not wanting, I'm very goal oriented. I always wanna, I'm always pushing myself forward to do what else can I do? What's, what's something more? And he's more laid back. So there, there's also like personality wise, right? So it really was just, it really boils down to we were young, and in love, and dumb, and you know, the government allows you at 18 to do crazy things, so that's what happened there.
0: (laughs) So then let's talk about your wonderful little daughter, so when she was born, she, what, what, did she have blonde hair, blue eyes, you know how some of us come out like blonde hair, blue eyes, and then we get darker and stuff like that?
1: So when she was born, okay, so my entire pregnancy, I had this um, like imagined baby in my head, and I imagined a baby that looked like me, that had you know darker skin darker hair I Every mean, my daughter's born and she comes out red and I'm like oh she just you know she's just been birthed you know it's just a trauma that's why she's so red and then slowly she got lighter and lighter you know because she was just red because yeah it was trauma just underneath there wasn't brown so she turned light, very light complexed. she had dark hair but as it was growing out she ended up getting uh powder blonde like brown blonde hair and curls everybody would uh compare to shirley temple like oh little baby shirley temple look at your cute baby when she's she got gerber baby a lot too she's like oh little gerber baby you know she was so cute she was a doll like i know all parents say that my kid was really cute she was really cute (laughs) and uh, (laughs) um but she didn't look like me you know and i it didn't register right away. I was like, Oh, Oh, that's fine. She looks like her dad. You know, I was like, Oh, she, that makes sense from like, uh, I try, I, I tried to like use, uh, education to, you know, I was like, you know, you know, maybe from like a biological, like evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense for kids to look like their dad so that the dad can accept it. You know, I was (laughs) kind of like that to tell myself, right. Right. I was like, it's cool. Nothing of it. Right. Until as she got older. Um, and not even that old, like, uh, one, two, three, four, like these ages, right. Is when I, when she looked the most white presenting, um, when she had the lightest hair, she had cute little rosy cheeks and, um, she didn't have colored eyes, but her, her eyes are very light hazel kind of, you know? And, and, um, and so I would, you know, the, I got it many times. The first time I was shocked, I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, I get, I get, um, are you the nanny? You know, and I, and I, I, first time I got that, I was a little bit shocked and I was like, Oh, maybe it's just cause I'm young looking, you know? Uh, I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm her mom, you know, like, and then most people are like, Oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. You know? But then after like the fifth time, somebody finally said that to me and they're like, and this person was, uh, this one, this one time was the most like rude because they were adamant that I wasn't the mother. They're what? like, uh, they were like, Oh, are you the nanny? I was like, no. She's like, Oh, are, are you, um. Are you like? Did she just wouldn't accept that it was my child and I'm the mother, right? And I was just like, no, I'm her mother. I, I. She's like, oh, did you adopt? I was like, what the hell? Like, no, she's my child. I birthed her. And like, why do you? Why are you questioning me so hard, right? Why are you questioning me? Uh, I, I wasn't disciplined. I never disciplined physically my daughter. I've never hit her. I don't believe in that. Um, as, a, as a kid that was hit as a, as a child, I just know that nothing good comes from it. Mm-hmm. It really is not a good thing. So sure. I never ever laid hands on her. But so I don't understand. I just got this feeling of like this person was questioning why I had this child, if I should have it and, and or if I should, you know, be be able to keep. I don't know. She was really questioning me you know, if this happened today, you'd have a Karen
0: on the phone like that white woman over in Oakland. Oh, oh, it's, it's Lake Merritt. Oh, these people are having a barbecue. You would have had her probably gone. Call- this woman snatched a baby. Like, if that was... Yeah,
1: it was getting that feeling. And this was, like I said, I, I had been in... I had encountered this, over oh, you the nanny? But this particular time, it was it was really uncomfortable. And I, I just was like, no, I'm the mom. And then finally I, she got the hint and just, like, awkwardly walked away. And I was just like, hell. Oh. Um... But it, I had to like come to terms with like okay maybe they're not being malicious this or that but it just you don't I feel like it's not an acceptable thing to walk up to a stranger and be like is this your child mm-hmm. you know that if she looked like me that was wouldn't have been something that would have happened but because she didn't I got questioned and I was just like what you know and part of me I, I'm a nice person so I I, I will just say You're like haha no I'm her mom that's what I usually ask her as but this person was so adamant about it And I was just like go away, lady. Like, leave me alone. You know? you know what
0: it is? It's because still when people tend to see, you know, the traditional family, it's monoracial. Yeah. And if you see somebody of another race pushing a, a mixed race child that happens to be lighter skinned or darker skinned than the person pushing the carriage or walking with the child, people automatically think, well, something's wrong with this picture and I need to speak up about it. And it's like, my dad got that. When well, my dad went to go visit my grandfather, I was a little, little, little tight, right? Maybe about one. And the first thing my grandfather told my dad, is she part Puerto Rican? She got Puerto Rican skin. And my dad's like, no, she's half black. But this is the thing that all biracial people and couples have to deal with. You have to explain everything. Yeah. Every flipping time, you have to explain your background. Then you have to explain if why this is your child, why you're out with this person's like. Why yeah, do so I need I to explain it?
1: I didn't understand that. I didn't mm-hmm. understand it, and I was experiencing it. Mm-hmm. You know, flash forward, um, he and I divorced and we separate when she's um, five, six, after she's entering first grade. This is also when I, I begin at UC Santa Cruz, right? So we're going, we're, we moved to Santa Cruz, I like I said, originally from San Jose, I was like I can't go over the 17 every day and commute I was like that that that's wild I remember growing up and hearing how crazy the 17 was they've done a lot of improvement now but but back when I first started school I was like I can't do that I'm not gonna I I hardly ever drove so I was like I cannot commute the 17 I have to move to Santa Cruz mm-hmm. so I moved to Santa Cruz and I I live on campus I was really I really lucked out kind of things kind of worked out um for me being able to live on campus. They had family student housing. And so I was able, we were able to, um, my daughter and I were able to move to move to Santa Cruz. You know, it was, it was a transition for my daughter. She, she lost her dad. Her dad moved back to Texas, you know, and, and that is a loss, you know, she was up, he was with her up until five, six, so five, six years old. And then he moved back. Right. And that was, a, that was a loss for her. Plus, plus we moved to a different city, you know, and, um, so it was just different. And, you know, I kind of, we had to figure out, I had to figure out what was going on with her and like help her and get her situated uh, on top of beginning my university career, you know? And I was just like, this is wild, but I can do it. I can Multitasking do it. mama. Right. This is awesome. Um, and she goes, she went to the, the, there's a public school right at the base of Santa uh, UC Santa Cruz that's there. Right. And so I enrolled her into the public school and she go she was going there and everything. And, um, I was in first grade. I felt I, I was when I realized that, um, that, you know, there are pockets of white, whiter communities in California. Yes. I don't know how else to say that. It's,
0: it's everywhere in the country. Segregation. Yes. Yeah. And it so, still happens.
1: And so I, I am, um, I, she started kinder in a predominantly Hispanic school and I when I took her to school I felt comfortable there were people that looked like me everything was, was fine right everything they had um they had a resource center like they catered to the community that was there right but I moved to Santa Cruz and that school um that public school that she that she currently goes she's finishing fifth grade now um that you know they I asked them I was like hey so I'm new to town um you know is there any resources and the school was like oh, we don't, we don't have a list of resources. What do you mean? What do you need help with? And I was just like, what do you mean you don't have? I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Thank you. You know, there's no, they didn't, they didn't say, oh, there's Sacred Heart here. None of that. They didn't give me any, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that's different. And I was like, that was, that should have been my first flag that like, oh, they don't have a list of resources because nobody in that community needs them. And I didn't understand that. So first grade comes and um, we have, this, she has this field trip, right? I was, I'm in school, I'm taking classes. And so, um, I want to be a part of this, you know, I want to go to my kids, you know, field trip. And so I reach out to the teachers like, Hey, I can't actually, and, and in Santa Cruz, this is kind of weird. They don't do school buses. They have parents take their, the kids to the field trips. Right. And so I said, Hey, so I can't take any kids to the field trip, but, um, I would like to join you guys after I get out of class. class. Can I please join you guys after? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. It's like, okay, cool. So I go to the the play. It's a, a what's a, what is it with pumpkins? We were at a pumpkin patch off the off the side of the uh, uh, off side of the one, right? Mm-hmm. It was this Rondani Farms or something like that. It was a private farm. And so she's there there, and I go, okay, I'll meet you guys there. Thank you. And I go and I get there to the to the pumpkin patch. It's cool, cool experience. Take pictures of my kid. She's super happy. Everything's good. And then I understand she's like, oh, you can't take her from here, though. The teacher says that she goes, you can't take your daughter from the field trip location. You have to pick her up from school. And I said, OK, sure. Maybe it's logistical things like, you know, it makes sense. She has to leave with who she came with. And I, I you know, it's like, OK. And so um, we get back to the school. Right. And then I, I go and I walk. I park my car. I go walk to the classroom to go get my kid. Right. And my kid is inside this classroom. Right. And this, this teacher there, she's blue eyed blonde lady, uh, probably a little bit older than me, uh, but not too much, maybe five, maybe 10 years older. Right. And so, um, and so I go to the classroom and I go, okay, I'm here to get Lily. And she's like, Oh, did you sign her out at the front desk at the office? And, and mind you, I already seen parents taking their kids, that, that they were chaperones and they were just taking their kids after the field trip, right? But she was like, oh, you need to sign her out. And I was just like, what? I was like, okay, I get that you wouldn't want me to get her from the field trip but now we're at school and I'm here and I'm saying like I, I could take her. Literally I think it was like, uh, it was a short day. They only had 20 minutes left in the school day just to even even then, right? And she's like um, no, you have to go sign her out. And I I was at this point, I was like kind of upset. now. I was like, you're keeping me from my fucking child, you know? And I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. And I walk away, but I'm upset. Right. And then she shouts out after me, sorry, it's just the protocol. And another parent is coming and is like, oh, what's happening. And so not only was she embarrassing me and like doing this. Right. And I was just like, what the hell? And I was pissed. Right. I was super mad. She basically saying, no, I can't take my kid. Like, you know, and I, and I still listened. I still went to the office to sign her out. Wow. By the time I get back to her classroom, it's five minutes till the bell rings. And, and I was just so upset. This is just first grade at this school, at this predominantly white school, public school in Santa Cruz. And that I'm, I'm a dark, conflicted parent. And I was already feeling uncomfortable to begin with. And then I was given this first grade. I was like, "Fuck, this sucks. And I didn't do anything. I was like, whatever, it's fine second grade comes, you know, that the second grade teacher was much friendlier. Um, you know, she, she was still a white woman, but she was, she was just more friendly, you know, and it wasn't too crazy. Um, and it was fine, but all and then third grade comes. So all I'm here all this time from first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Right. And the teacher, the principal of the school is a white man. And, uh, and, the I'm here for two, three years. The first The thing is, is that I, what I'm trying to describe are microaggressions Mm -hmm. that I didn't understand what that were happening to Mm -hmm. me. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is that this one, I was in school at her school. I tried to go to all the functions too. Like I said, I was, I was also, you know, trying to get my degree, but I also wanted to be a present parent. So I volunteered my in the mornings for math time or for like to help the teacher. Right. So I was on campus multiple times. The the principal saw me, but never said hello, nothing like that. And I just like, Oh, it's fine. I don't, I'm really introverted too. So I don't really want to put myself out there to say hello to the principal or anything like that. But um, one time in particular is that I was friends with another parent and I was there with them and, the principal started talking to that parent about my child and I was right there and they didn't, he didn't even acknowledge me. And he didn't even, Oh, you're, are you, are you, you know, Lillian's mom? Are you Jack? Hi, nice to meet Nothing. Right. Didn't nothing. I was like, that's weird. You know, that's a perfect opportunity for a principal to come up to me and, and say, hello. Right. Especially if you're talking about my child, but he did it. The first time I have interaction with this principal is third grade. When my daughter talks back to him, because she um, basically said, "Well, I'm not." She it was it was kind of like a, a quick knee jerk reaction on her part. She never really got in trouble. She still doesn't really get in trouble. But she had like a witty remark back that was like sassing him back, right? And so she he was like, "Well, I'm then he called me into his office and we sat down and we spoke." And that was the first time, even though I was at that school for three years, and I know he 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 was he's very friendly with all the other parents, but never thought to think like oh maybe I should extend you know a hello or something I didn't feel I don't to this day I just keep these feelings and these microaggressions to myself because um my daughter isn't experiencing it she's very well accepted in that school because she looks like all of the other children and that oh am I am I am I putting that on her you know what I mean but also understanding that like this is this is a really white school and and I feel it. I feel the aggression. And I didn't accept it for a long time. I thought I was being too sensitive.
0: So when when your ex-husband was still in the picture, were you raising your daughter as a, as a biracial, in a biracial culture, like, you know, inputting your Mexican culture and then inputting his culture? Like, for example, uh, you have the Hispanic, you know, Heritage Month, right? Yeah. You celebrate that, Cinco de Mayo, whatever, right? And with him, I don't know, what is his background?
1: Um he is plain vanilla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if he was he, Italian. Yeah, his mom, his mom's parents were from Italy, and they they moved because of all kinds of craziness with the the mafias that were or the gangs that were yes. happening there. And then, um, though his Italian grandparents passed away before he was even born, so he doesn't know any of that side of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his father is not really close with his family. That's kind of like it, it's mind-boggling to me when when I found this out because personally like living it having a Mexican family, um, we're very tight knit too. Yes. You know? we're always like hanging this and that. But his his father kinda of was distant from his siblings. And they didn't really make time to like see each other on the holidays or have the annual reunions or nothing. He was just very solitude kind of dude. And and so that's the type of household that Michael that he was raised in my ex husband was raised in was just that um they they yeah, that, that, that they didn't really have
0: Indi- Individualism versus collectivism. Because I always discuss yeah, this with certain exactly. this Thank Latinos you. And, Ch- and Asians tend to be more collectivistic in culture. American culture is more individualistic. Now, for Black folks, it depends. Some some do the collectivistic because it does harken back to Africa, but then some, like like in my family, my mother said, "You need to be independent. Don't rely on your father and me. We ain't gonna live forever." She instilled that in my head since I was a kid. So I got the individualistic yeah. background through my mother. So now you saying that, you come from, you know, tight-knit Latino family. He's from, like, American family kind of, you know. Um, yeah,
1: scattered. Right. And, and,
0: you know, kind of strain from. So when you guys came together to raise your child, did you try to not make it totally his side or your side? Did you try to do a
1: blend? Um. Yeah, we, we did try to do a blend because... I I was adamant about visiting Texas with her and and having her, you know, be with her other cousins and uh, be around his family too, because she does have both sides, you know, but living in California, she did probably get immersed more in my side than his because her side uh, for his side is still limited. She only goes to visit him in Texas during the summer, you know, two, three months, not very long. All the other months are mine. In my family. So she's kind of, she's kind of, um, yeah, yeah, we were taught because I, I explained to her, I'm going on a podcast, you know, and she's like, I, I hadn't realized that I, I, she and I never really had race talk before, you know, and she's, you know, learned stuff in school and, you know, like in black history month. And she knows who MLK is and, you know, who they teach them. Right. But we never discussed the fact that, you know, she is a mixed race child. And last night we were talking about it and she's like, what does that mean? That just means like, you know, your dad's white and mom's Mexican. She's like, oh, okay. And then that was it. She was done with it. She's like, okay, we'll have fun tomorrow. <laughs> and it was it. So I, I realized that I never really explained that to her. Um, and, uh, and it's something that I still kind of, it's it's something that I struggle with of talking to her about because, you know, it trips my mind out that she understands this word of the use of Karen. Oh, that's a Karen, you know? And, um, and just ha- talking to her about, you know, yeah, that because I don't want to make her feel bad. White isn't bad. You know, Right. it is not bad. She's not just because she's half white. doesn't mean that she's inherently a batter or, or like a, not an okay person. Right. And, and so, um, that's something that I, I currently am still trying to lead out of like, helping her understand her identity but like I said I'm still learning about my own and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out my own so I don't know it's it's uh don't have kids young folks because (laughs) because you have to grow up too yes uh, you know (laughs) yes yes
0: but so since since your daughter is white presenting have you witnessed any privilege on her part or you know did you see privilege with her
1: definitely um most when she was youngest, when she was the, uh, she was a little doll. No, um, she was, uh, you know, always being compared to Shirley Temple, like I said. But I, what I really found crazy is that um, people were constantly trying to give her free stuff, and uh, just, uh, you know, oh, you know, she's so cute. Here's a, here's a candy, or oh, she's so cute. Here, here's um, here's a free toy, or here's this or that. Right? They'd always try to give her stuff, and I used to always think oh that's so nice but also I'm like why don't you ask me first like I'm her mother why are you giving some random child things like that's not appropriate like it never really occurred to me but I you know when these individuals would do it I think that they were just coming from a place of their of uh, understanding how privilege works and they maybe felt a need to present her with things because of her skin color and and stuff and like at the time um, you know I had a cousin who had a son who is outwardly Asian. He was never afforded those free stuff. And like, oh, you know, and he was adorable too, just in his own self, in his own way, super cute. But, you know, I just noticed that Lillian just got different treatment, even as a kid, you know, as a child. And it was just, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, now retrospectively thinking back on it, I'm like, yeah, weirdos, why are you giving kids free stuff, you know? But also it was like, they were doing it because they thought she was so cute. And I think the part of her being so cute was because she was white, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they felt that way.
0: Especially with the, what you said earlier, Gerber baby, Shirley Temple, all that yeah. other stuff. Those, those American praising icons. her for
1: her out, her, her white presenting. That they're, they're praising her for that. And I didn't realize that didn't make sense. But also as I think back on it, I'm like, I don't go up to random cute babies and try to give them things you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so That's true. That's very true. So then how's your
1: relationship
0: with, with your ex-husband now?
1: Um, we are cordial. We say hello now and then, but we don't really talk, we don't really talk unless it's about our daughter. Um, you know, there was a tsunami warning in Santa Cruz a couple of weeks ago and, and stuff like that. He'll say, Oh, are you guys? Okay. You know, are you, are you, were you near this, you know, stuff like that. But other than that, we don't really talk.
0: Does he call your daughter? Is she closer to him? or um,
1: She, they, they have their own unique relationship. It, it did have to, they did have to figure stuff out because, oh, well, she had to. I mean, it kind of sucks that she had to, but um, it was a shock for her not <clears throat> having her dad every day. And so she had to come to terms that, oh, he's not there every day, but he is still there for me. And, um, he's not a big phone person. She's not a big phone person. I tried to suggest little things like, Oh, maybe like send him a letter. You send her a letter, you know, stuff like that. But really she was five, six years old at the time, seven years old. Like, how can you really? So as she's gotten older, they've communicate way more talk on the phone. Um, we finally, when she was old enough to fly out there, Cause she does fly alone, you know, with Southwest and they have an amazing little like programmer, like you pay them and unaccompanied minor and I feel safe about it. So she's finally old enough. She started traveling to Texas and visiting Texas in the summer. And, um, yeah, it's just funny. My dad, it was like, Oh, she's gonna go with her white family. You know, it's still, it's still talked about, you know, that she, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, yeah, they, they are. They're, they're figuring their relationship out. And, and I am grateful that he, um, you know, he gives himself as much as he can because he himself has some, some, you know, his own issues that he's working through and just figuring himself out too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then final thoughts usually sum up like this. So what words of wisdom would you give your daughter about being biracial and white presenting? in the present day and going forward in the future.
1: That's a, that's a hard one. I, I want her to understand that she does have privilege, but more importantly, I want her to understand that there are so many perspectives out there. Right. And that, you know, um, each person has their own story. Each person is going through their own thing and, um, and just be aware of that, you know, and, and, I, like I said, I'm still teasing out how to, you know, because I'm not a white woman. How do I, if she, you know, I can explain the Mexican side of things, but I, how do I explain something that I don't experience? I don't, ex- mm-hmm. I will never experience the privilege that my daughter will. Even her name is very white sounding, you right. know, it's you know, my name, Thelma, you can find it. You're, Oh, that's definitely a, a, some sort of Latino name. Yeah. But with hers, it's, it's not, it's very Americanized. you know, and, And it's very, and her, yeah, so I'm, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I still struggle with it. But I do know that I I just instill that, you know, that, you know, you're important, self-worth, you know, and that you just, what's most important is being a good person and being kind. And I just try to, you know, instill those values in her.
0: But also what you're going to have to teach her, too, is to have a thicker skin because she's different. Because, you know what I mean? Because being different or otherized, you have to learn to develop a sense of resilience because you will get looked at, stared at, you know, joked about, made fun of, you know, all that. Because I've experienced all that. But that's because I'm more black presenting. Yeah. So she may not experience that, but there may come a time where she might be at a crossroads where her two identities and her background are intersecting and she has to make a choice yeah. or to, or what is she going to claim or what is she going to say while thinking of those two perspectives because it's very easy if you're mixed and white presenting to just pass because black folks did it all the time when they were light-skinned enough. So, you know, to, you know, for people to maybe protect their kids or for the kids maybe just to avoid all the drama, they just subjugate that side of themselves since they're white presenting and yeah. just stay white out of safety. But then, see, that's a bad thing because it's like, but they're they're multiracial people like you that are white presenting and mixed. Why do you have to hide behind only one race? Speak out loud and say who you are exactly. so that gets normalized. Exactly. You know, you're looking at a white kid, you don't know if that kid's white. She like you said, your daughter looks straight white, and she does. She she's half Mexican and half white. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people need to understand that. You know, don't don't come to these like assumptions and conclusions about things and who belongs to who and all that, it's like you do realize we're getting more and more multiracial as we speak. Interracial marriages are blowing up, interracial kids blowing up in the population. People better start getting used to it Mm -hmm. because guess what? We're going to be the norm. Then we're going to be looking at the monoracial people going, now you know how it feels. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... I want to thank you so much, honey, for joining me today and giving us a fantastic podcast. I loved every minute of it, girl. Mm, So, my darlings, thank you for listening in on Generation Mix. Please like, rate, subscribe, and download. Ah, Generation Mix is available on all platforms. And got social media. Instagram, Generation Mix Podcast. TikTok and Twitter, at Gen Mix Podcast. Want to be on the show? shoot me an email, generationmixed at gmail.com or contact my media company, Jess J. Mark, under the contact button. So, honeys, you have a good day. And remember, bring to attitude like Generation Mix being multiracial in America one story at a time from the studio to the streets. Peace.